You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since that, one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars? idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what Star Wars is about. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey everyone, I am your other host Caitlin and welcome back to our Clone Wars recaps and analysis. I know we had had a little bit of a break, but um, Charlotte was not feeling well, and uh, we wanted to wait until she was back to feeling a lot better before we sat down at the mic. Yeah, I think I should talk about that a little bit. I am pretty sure, I'm like 90% positive that I had a very mild, have a very mild version of the coronavirus. I live in Boston, where there's a lot of the, the infection rate is pretty high. And um, I believe I was exposed when I went to the grocery store about two weeks ago, over two weeks ago now. And I am on day like 13 of in terms of um, symptoms. And I'm feeling a lot better now. But it was a lot. And I just I did not have it in me to record. And I'm sorry about that. But I just want to say that I am 90% sure I had it and I wasn't tested, but I have been following all of the CDC recommendations. And I'm kind of in the best case scenario because I live alone. Um, I was already self-isolated and quarantined, essentially. So I don't know when the next time I'm going to leave my apartment is. (laughs) It's going to be a long time. (laughs) But uh Yeah, I appreciate. Thank you. I talked about this on Twitter, but I thank you to everyone who reached out and sent their well wishes and everything. And anyone who's listening, I'm I'm sure I'm I I had have a super mild case uh, compared to what so many people are dealing with right now. That I really consider myself very lucky, and I do feel like I'm in a very privileged position to have not infected anyone or uh you know not been around anyone because i live alone and (laughs) i like i said am in basically the best case scenario but i really do appreciate all the well wishes and i hope that if you're listening you're staying safe and if you have loved ones or you or yourself are infected that you get well soon and uh we really do send our our hearts with you. And um, during this time, it is so, <clears throat> it's so, it's it's scary and you're not alone through it all. And I'm so blessed, I feel like, by the uh, amazing friendships that we made online and through this podcast and everything that just have like <laughs> kept me company online throughout all this when it has been kind of isolating and lonely. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you're starting to feel better. I feel like 
this is actually the first time we've talked since <laughs> I know in like two <laughs> weeks. Blast points. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I think that was the last time we talked. Charlotte and I were on uh, like physically talked. Caitlin and I talk all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That sounds bad. Like, we're texting all the time. I just mean like actually talked because the first week that we were quarantined, um, that we were both the first full week that we were both working from home, uh, we had like random lunchtime chats, <laughs> and that were really fun. <laughs> um, but then uh, then we did blast points and then you started not feeling well and then we haven't physically talked since then. So it was, it was like, oh, yes, this is what your voice sounds like, <laughs> which yes. I actually think has been the longest that we've probably gone without talking in a really long time, I know. actually. It's kind of – it's crazy. Yeah, but. whether it's whether it's been through podcasting or just like calling mainly when I'm stuck in traffic. <laughs> um, yeah, the, we don't usually go that long without talking. So I'm really glad that you're feeling better. I was telling Charlotte the other day, I wish you were just like a little bit closer because it would be so easy to just like drive up there and make sure that you have, you know, all the medicine or like extra food or anything like that without you having to leave or I don't know, like even leave your apartment or something. So times like these, I wish we lived just a little bit closer. But yeah, for everyone, everyone out there, these are, these are unprecedented times. Uh, They truly are. And it's, I feel like I just go through a lot of emotional whiplash about it every day. And, you know, being online, it's good to know that we're not alone in this and we're not alone in the wide range of emotions that I think we've all been feeling about it. You know, being worried about friends or family who are still out working or who are sick um, or just, you know, reading too much about it honestly it can really kind of send me into a tailspin and then I'll go it's like every other day I'm either reading everything or I'm reading nothing about it you know and I'm just like I'm gonna you know bake and be really happy that like I have this time to bake and then three hours later I'm like oh my god what and just like completely overwhelmed with all of it so wherever you are in the emotions that you're feeling about it just know you are 100 percent not alone and um if you are still out there working um like out in the world or have family and friends in, in the healthcare industry um just know that we're thinking about all of you and please stay safe um Wash your hands. <laughs> that <laughs> Wear almost a mask. Sounds, yeah, that almost sounds so cliche to say at this point, but um, it is important and it it can make a difference. So that was our little like COVID nineteen PSA <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, of this. I know that people listen to Star Wars podcasts too. At least I do at this point. I'm I'm listening to podcasts to dissociate from the present moment. So I think that'll be it in which we talk about yeah uh, this in this episode but it had to be said and while I did have a very mild case man that Mm. illness was like nothing I have ever experienced yeah you Um, say mild but uh it was it was still pretty (laughs) serious like yeah it was mild because I didn't get a crazy fever like some people the whole like 103 fever I the highest my fever ever went was 101 um at least that's what I recorded and but like the things that happened, I'll I'll do a thread on Twitter. I haven't done that yet uh, about it, just because I feel like those are the things that I was searching for during all this because it is manifesting so differently in everybody, mm-hmm. and it's very bizarre. It's been really weird. I, I had the flu earlier this year. It was very different. So yeah, yeah, and the fact that this just lasted so long. 
Um, it's not over yet either. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is really the first day that you've been like able to do things. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> but the good news out of all of this is that Charlotte and I have both bought Nintendo Switches. <laughs> we were uh, peer pressured in the best way possible <laughs> to get Nintendo Switches. And um, Charlotte has Charlotte's hasn't come in yet, but I have mine and we're both on Animal Crossing. So uh, you can find our codes online. I'll probably post mine again. Um, or if you're in our Discord, I know we'll both – I think – did I already post mine in there? It will, it'll be in there again either way. So um, if you want to come to our islands, I named my island Kate Lossus <laughs> in honor of myself and the Colossus, <laughs> a.k.a. the best subbies in Star Wars. So um, Charlotte still has to think of a name for her animal or for her island in Animal Crossing. So if you have any good ideas for her, you should send them her way while she eagerly anticipates the arrival of her Nintendo Switch. When will it arrive? Who knows? Literally, who knows? <laughs> Literally, who knows? <laughs> Um, But we are going to be doing a combined episode today to talk about the last two episodes of The Clone Wars, the first one being Deal No Deal, which was directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and Seward Lee and was written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray. And then we are also going to be talking about Dangerous Debt, which was directed by Saul Ruiz and Bosco Ng and then written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray once again. And we kind of felt, just given the timing of, of when we were able to record next, that this was probably the best um, way to talk about both of these episodes rather than, I feel like if we had done individual episodes, we would have kind of been even more, like, quote-unquote, behind. So I hope that's okay with everyone. Um, but we're really excited to talk about these episodes today. Yeah. So in part one, our mystery part this time is really just going to be us discussing the fortune cookie. Yeah, since we have two to talk about. Yeah. And in part two, we're going to be talking about the story. And in part three, we talk about character. So without further ado, let's get started. So that, of course, was my main focus, is making a Star Wars that George Lucas was proud of, obviously proud enough to want to put it up on the big screen, and we're all thrilled about that. But, uh, you know, hey, fans are passionate, and whether they say for good or for ill about anything, any aspect of it, it's because they love it. You know, they, they, they want it to be good. They want it to, it to, they feel an ownership over Star Wars at this point, and I respect that. I mean, in both directions, you know, I, I respect the good things I've heard, and I respect when fans says, ah, why is it animated? Yeah, okay, I get it, but, you know, give it a chance and check it out, and I think they'll be surprised, because I'm a fan and I like it. Okay, welcome to part one, where the mystery part is just fortune cookies, which are also delicious and good. So everything is good. <laughs> so um, the two fortune cookies that we have for these episodes, the first one is from Deal No Deal, which says, mistakes are valuable lessons often learned too late. And then the fortune cookie from Dangerous Debt is, who you, are, who you were does not have to define who you are. Was there one of these that stood out more to you, Charlotte? The second one, obviously. Love that. <laughs> it's, it's so funny because when I watched it, and usually I watch Clone Wars in the morning before work, um, and, but there I had there had been some things that had happened in the morning for work, so I wasn't able to actually watch this episode until later in the afternoon when I was taking like a late lunch break. And um, I remember reading it and I go, a little on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> So it's very, very Star Wars, let's be honest. It's yeah. not just Ahsoka, duh, but my first 
this is like a redemption keyword <laughs> fortune cookie <laughs> all around <laughs> yeah yeah it is it's funny i feel like these fortune cookies were i don't know they just seemed so uh, a bit even more cliche than than the fortune cookies usually do <laughs> i don't know if that's true or if that's just us like over I don't know, looking yeah. too deeply into that. Yeah, I think I feel like they've always it. been yeah. this cliche. <laughs> I, I know they're they're always cliche, but the mistakes are valuable lessons often learned too late. I'm like, yeah, that's why it's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but but to actually be a little bit serious about them, I think the deal no deal one is really applicable for Trace, especially in that episode when she dumps the spice. You know, she had this moment where she was like well i dumped the spice we don't we don't have to worry about who to give it to <laughs> and ahsoka and rafa are like uh yeah that's the problem <laughs> that's the stupidest thing you could have done <laughs> <laughs> i to me i think that if there there was a uh pivotal like the most pivotal moment of the episode it would be that one and it, it's interesting that it completely relates to the fortune cookie mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and the the dangerous debt fortune cookie is an interesting one because they it uh, I think it applies to all of the characters our main characters in this arc Trace Rafa and Ahsoka and I feel like dangerous debt a lot of the conversations they were having in that episode really kind of honed in on that idea of like where you're coming from and where you're going and mm-hmm. you know Ahsoka be we'll be talking about this more in depth but you know Ahsoka being so big picture about these things having been a Jedi and having to make these difficult choices but they're having galactic implications the choices that the Jedi are making um, and her not really understanding how to stop thinking that way because that's not what's needed for Trace and Rafa but then Trace and Rafa they've like grown up in this society that has been against them in a lot of ways and they think really I don't want to say selfishly because I don't think it is like it is selfish in some of the things they do, but the way that they talk about it, it's like they have – like that's the position they've been put in in this world mm-hmm. and they don't trust anyone but themselves. Whereas – and they need to – like they're starting to see this bigger picture through this interaction with the Pikes and with Ahsoka about, you know, these ramifications – like these things snowballing out of your control. Like – Yes, you're in it for yourself, and I can understand why, but that doesn't mean that your choices aren't going to have ramifications for a whole lot of other people, too. Yeah. I think that there's several conversations throughout these two episodes that Ahsoka is that voice of reason to both Trace and Rafa, I think specifically more Rafa, about um, the fact that, you know, their actions do have consequences throughout, uh, and the fact that, like, for lack of a better term, like Rafa would have blood on her hands um, in certain situations if she didn't acknowledge that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because going through these episodes, I found myself oddly so Team Rafa (laughs) in so much of this. I did too. I did too. I was like, I would be so irritated with Ahsoka if I was in this situation with her. And I think the I think the deal no deal episode really kind of highlighted this. Their their whole argument, you know, right before Trace drops the spice, when they're just arguing about what to do. And 
afterwards when Trace is like, well, neither – like, Ahsoka didn't have a plan either. Like, she just she just wanted us to, like, give it to people to make medicine or whatever she said. And, and Ahsoka was like, well, it was really just, like, an ethical debate. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not time for an ethical debate, I love Ahsoka. that. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, Ahsoka, I get that it's an ethical debate, and I'm totally here for it. <laughs> However, comma <laughs> – <laughs> and Ralph was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I love that." Yeah, I did too. And and it's it's funny because Ahsoka is often in these high pressure situations too. So, but but the advantage, the privilege that she had as a Jedi is that she like they train her to think about these ethical debates of and and like we'll talk about it too but like with chase and rafa's parents and you know whether it was luminar or barris probably of them making the choice between the landing platform of people versus like three people in a hangar bay um that choice like from big picture seems obvious right but Mm -hmm. then it the the impact that it had on chase and rafa and the trajectory it sent their life was you know completely devastating Totally. I think this the this string of episodes is really Ahsoka, honestly, for lack of a better term, understanding her pri- privilege as a Jedi and really becoming aware, almost like an awakening into the injustices around the world that the world, the galaxy, that the Jedi thought that they were solving and helping, but really they were turning a blind eye. And I think that this this sort of awakening for Ahsoka is uh, to put down that sort of pedantic energy of that ethical debate (laughs) and Mm -hmm. to realize that there are uh, bigger things and more immediate things um, at stake right now, which I think is, is a hard thing to, for me to discuss because personally I'm more like, no, Ahsoka's right. (laughs) Let's talk about the ethical debate of, you know, slavery on Kessel and everything like that. I think that to me in that episode, that was like, I'm so down with us exploring this because this is kind of one of my favorite parts about the Clone Wars is uncovering this sort of um, the seedy underbelly of the galaxy and the problems and what the Jedi and the Republic aren't solving. Yeah. And I think that it's it's interesting because I think Ahsoka has been forced to put all that, yes, while important, and she is sharing that sort of um, – that ethical misunderstanding or understanding with Trace and Rafa but it's not the most pressing concern for her in the same way that in some parts of her work in the Clone War um, it was you know yeah and I think she's learning that a lot like the Jedi are exacerbating a lot of these problems that they think they're solving but because they you know for lack of a better term you know flit in flit out of these planets and situations they're not staying around to see what's really going on and you like going on after they've left um we kind of talked about this with uh the bad batch arc too about them rolling into the um why can't I think of their names now? The people who lived on Skako Minor. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Poltex. The Poltex. Thank you. How they just roll into the Poltex community and the Poltex, you know, tell them, we didn't ask you to come here. Like, we don't want the Separatists or the Republic. And the Jedi, Anakin and Obi-Wan, they're like, well, they're already here. So, like, we're here and you need to pick a side and you should be on our side and we're Time better. to pick a side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they just – 
they they kind of steamrolled over these people and you look at it and you're like well yeah we're obviously not on the separatist side like we're on the republic side so they should pick the republic but then you think about the biggest picture of it all and how you know palpatine's in charge of all of it and how it is a pointless war with no winners just losers Mm -hmm. and but i think that ahsoka is seeing is seeing like people living a life that is not focused on the war but is like so intrinsically tied to it at the same time the fact that like they don't know the skywalker name or no other jedi is is just it's really interesting like you get the pick the um idea that they've really never been topside except for a couple of times Mm -hmm. and what does that life look like where you've never seen like the sunset on Coruscant Mm -hmm. um if maybe for a couple of times and I think Ahsoka like getting understanding just how the Jedi are perceived and and kind of I think that like she saw internally the problems right with the Jedi and that's part of why she left but now she's seeing that these problems were also visible externally too and I don't really think she was expecting that Mm -mm. I don't think so either I think that she really thought that it was more personal Mm -hmm. and i think it was but i think that it's also elsewhere and it's that this is these are things that the audience knows if you've watched all seven seasons of the clone wars you know this Mm -hmm. but i think that her becoming aware of it is crucial for her character to become who we see in rebels and i think that's what's interesting about this arc and we'll talk about this a little bit later um but it's answering a question of um what has to happen to ahsoka after the she leaves the jedi order to really get her to not just a place where we see her later with uh teaming back up with the jedi but in what sort of like refined sight does she have to have in order to do that but then also also become to the point where she says i'm no jedi in rebels years later and yeah. those those things are questions that need to be answered and this arc in while i think that some people have complained which is really like surprised me so much i can't even um complained that it's kind of a, a long slog a slow a slow move um a pointless journey is are things that i have heard um i think that by the end of it, I really do, and I, I feel this way currently, but I think that we're we're really seeing Ahsoka being really pushed out of her comfort zone um, and having to be faced with questions about what does it even look like uh, when you are an ex-Jedi and you have these powers and the world around you is still crumbling. And what do you do about that when you have this, you know, this sense of of injustice and writing injustice within you? And how yeah. do you deal with that? And you don't have the protection of the Jedi name any exactly. longer. I think, yeah, I think as far as like complaints about this arc, I, th- I thought it was really fascinating too, seeing people calling – saying it was slow or kind of like, well, why are we spending time with these sisters? Like, what does it matter? And I think when you think about Ahsoka's character, like you said, Charlotte, about like, how does she get to the point in Rebels where she says, I'm no Jedi and like understanding how she fits into this world now with these powers and and with this moral compass that has a good foundation from the Jedi. And she says it in, I think it was in Dangerous Jet, when she says, you know, the way that I was brought up is when people are in need, you help them. 
because Rafa's like, why are you with us? Like, what? <laughs> why? And Ahsoka's like, it's just what I've been brought up to do. And, like, that's a good thing that the Jedi taught her. Um, but I think, I think, like, you know, this is Ahsoka's walkabout. And you think about the things that she needs, like you said, to get to that point in Rebels where she is putting it all on the line and is, like, more active in the quote-unquote, like, rebellion, like, political sense, I suppose. Um and I think part of that is her seeing this like microcosm almost like with Trace and Rafa of what this war has done to them specifically. I think it I think it had to hone in so small scale because Ahsoka has lived her life looking at the big picture of all of this. And she needs it. She needed like this time, like in this walkabout to go top side to downside and really see the implications of all these things to understand the cycles and like the systematic problems that people like Trace and Rafa are trapped in where, you know, sure, it would be great for them to think about what it like where that spice is going. But if they do that, then that means they don't have money to pay off their debts. And then they're being hunted after by people. And it's like, well, of course, Trace and Rafa are going to do what they need to do for themselves. And Ahsoka, I think in the beginning, Ahsoka like blames them for that. But then I think as she's getting to know them, she realizes that she can't. Like, not everyone has the luxury to make the ethical decision. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a, like she need like that's part of her character journey in this walkabout is realizing that. And so I think that kind of story has to be told small scale. Agreed. And I really like it. To me, uh, deal no deal it's so hard for me not to say deal or no deal it also online it's written everywhere differently so if this episode is actually called deal or no deal i don't know (laughs) whatever (laughs) um to me that episode when i was watching it i was like wow i feel like i'm transported to like 2010 and i'm watching a classic clone wars episode where i'm getting my dose of politics <laughs> this like weird aliens we're traveling all through all these planets this like dose of angst like god bless and <laughs> i i feel like i was living i was like this episode is perfect and also it showed us well, we'll get into it obviously but i think that it's this episode to me it ended and i was like this is perfection this is what i wanted and so it was really surprised i was extremely surprised to see people not loving this episode i get it i guess in in retrospect but i was like this is so familiar it felt so familiar to me yeah i think that these episodes in particular the conversations between trace and rafa and ahsoka have all felt so incredibly real to mm-hmm. me i don't know if it's it, like the dialogue the voice acting all of it has just been i don't know i think it's just been superb these three episodes i've really felt and believed everything that these characters were saying i think it's been some of the best writing that we've seen i agree um it's funny because I've seen like just to talk about like people not enjoying these episodes. I've seen people like not enjoying Rafa and Trace's relationship, and I'm like, none of you have an older sister, do you? Because <laughs> I think that's part of why I've liked this arc so much is because I have an older sister, and she's she's five six years older than me, and I don't know how far apart in age Trace and Rafa are, but I'm like this kind of looks like that, honestly. Yeah, it does. Like Rafa is at least like five years older than Trace, if not more. 
I'm like, this rings so true to me <laughs> in so many ways. Just the the like being mean to your little sister, but no one else can be or else it's a big problem. <laughs> and, you know, my sister was always distrustful of new friends I had because she never yes. wanted people to, yeah, to be mean <laughs> to me. And she – like, she, but she could be the meanest one to me. But like, if anyone else looks at me wrong, like, watch out, you know? And I think that just like all of it just rang so true to me, like the way that they argue, um, even at the end when Ahsoka, when when Rafa was like Ahsoka, or when Rafa said, um, if Trace doesn't want to do anything, like doesn't want to do the things that I want to do, she doesn't have to do them. And Ahsoka was like, do you really think she'd say no to you? And I'm like, no, she won't because my sister has asked me to do a million weird things or like things I didn't want to do. But rarely do I say no to my older sister. Like just the whole thing. I was like, this is so on point for a sister relationship. <laughs> like I don't understand how people don't see that. <laughs> I, like it, it just felt so real to me. Not that my sister and I have ever like – treated spice <laughs> or what i'm surprised to hear that <laughs> right or, or like done anything illegal <laughs> um but we fight very similarly to trace and rafa and definitely did growing up as well um so i just i i love their relationship and i like the idea of like someone coming in in a very emotional time like some random person coming in <laughs> to like a family situation like that if it was just my sister and I it would it would be such a problem <laughs> and I I just think it's so funny and um yeah I think that's why I've loved these episodes so much is because I just I see it so well like it feels so real to me because I'm like yeah like oh my god when um after Trace dumps the spice and Rafa yells at her and is like like we're gonna sell your ship (laughs) trace is like we're not doing that like oh my god i just it felt so real to me like i've i haven't been in that situation but i've been in that situation (laughs) (laughs) so um i think i think that it is i think the writing is superb and any of you younger sisters out there i feel like you probably i feel like you probably relate to trace and rafa a lot (laughs) yeah I, 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 I mean, I felt that I not having an older sister. I feel like I, I felt that and understood that completely um, yeah. during, during that scene, which I feel like the tensions were super high and they really built the tension really well. It's I like thought. a really bad road trip. <laughs> yeah, it is a really bad road trip. Wow. <laughs> Who among us has not been on a really bad family road trip? <laughs> so true. I've actually been on a... <laughs> couple with you yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) parents are arguing in the front seat sisters taking up too much room like (laughs) it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot (laughs) anyway let's talk about the story yes let's so if you're a captain and i'm a jedi then technically i outrank you right in my book experience outranks everything Well, if experience outranks everything, I guess I better start getting some. Okay, so welcome to part two. We're discussing the story. So let's start off with our question. In both these episodes, where do we start and where do we end? So deal, no deal. starts. We start on Coruscant and we get to leave Coruscant, which is really great. We get that wonderful Annie Soka moment. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) 
<laughs> biggest surprise, first off, of the episode. Did not expect to see Anakin looking so great. And also that moment of connectivity. Wow. Just wow. We'll talk about it a little bit later, I think. But Yeah. Um, so we get to leave Coruscant. We get that great cameo with the voice of Laura slash Admiral Yolaren and Anakin. And we end on Obadiah. And then Dangerous Debt, we start in a prison cell and we end in a prison cell, <laughs> which I was actually really surprised to see them back where they started in this episode. I thought we might kind of leave them hanging, you know, not sure, like still out in the open before they've been rearrested. Or I thought that maybe um, Trace and Rafa would be re- would be arrested again, but then Ahsoka would still be on the run and she would end up rescuing them. So I was really surprised to see all three of them back in the prison cell. I was too. I felt like this cyclical episode, um, I was surprised that we ended there. And I don't know if I liked that ending, honestly, if Mm -hmm. I'm being completely honest. I feel like uh, even though I know it'll it'll come to fruit, like the reason why they went back there, um, personally, I think that the Mandalorians will break them out. But I I feel like it in that'll be really interesting to see if that happens. But um I was surprised that they went with the sort of cyclical ending like this. In a weird way, it reminded me of that episode of The Mandalorian, um, with the prison the prisoner. Um I think it's chapter seven. And I where, you know, they start off in one starts off in in a prison cell and then in the end they end up in a prison cell and i feel like that it was this weird uh cyclical situation Mm -hmm. i really loved the look of obadiah and i loved the prison cell area i know we've been there in a couple of different other stories but i just everything looks so crisp in this season of clone wars that it really is just a treat to walk around in these places the lighting the The lighting lighting. (laughs) (laughs) everything is so well lit it's unreal yeah yeah i mean even the way that the uh the prison doors the cell doors looked you know it's like hollow force field so cool whatever it is it's like man want I just want that as like an accent wall in my house. <laughs> I know it was. I, I loved the design of this this episode. I loved the design of Kessel too. If we could talk about that for a little bit, mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant. To first off, the solo vibes in Deal No Deal were so good, and I really appreciated when I found out we were going back to Kessel. I was like, yes so great i can't wait to see what's going on here and sure enough slaves but no wookies which i thought was kind of interesting maybe not yet but um i really liked this idea that half of it was overridden by mining and slavery and it it had taken a complete toll on the planet to the point where it was basically unlivable and that's just like a very simple metaphor is perfect. While the other side is lush, gorgeous, uh, pure and clean. And um, while, you know, you have people who are sitting in their high towers eating luxurious meals as they sit like so close to slavery and poverty and terrible business. And I think that that, it really does embody what I would think Kessel is and what the Pikes are dealing with. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the contrast. But first off, I do have to say that the architecture that was like in that area was just next level. Like those buildings were so cool. So cool. <laughs> that were in the, you know, the lush area of Castel. It was like the contrast was so extreme. And even just seeing the camera kind of pan over from when it went to like the trees and forest to where the mine was, it was just a, a clean line and it was really jarring. I think it's interesting that we've come back to the the slavery discussion because it's a really good one, right? That's come up multiple times in a lot of different canon material in Star Wars, but it, I don't think it's ever been something that has been resolved well in any story that Star Wars has done. It's never been something I think where we've, I don't know, where the com- where like the the conversation has continued. They've definitely mm-hmm. talked about it a lot, but I I can't say that there's ever been good resolution to it. I think Tatooine, we've seen pieces of it, but it's ne- it's never I guess I should say it's never been a focus of any story. It's been in the background of a lot of different stories, but it's never really gotten time, I think, to be as resolved as it could be. I think like the droid revolution on Kessel in Solo is probably like the most that we got to see it. Um, yeah, we know that's what, what I was gonna say. Yeah, we and like, but that the, those are like even the droids too. Like we don't get to see. I guess we do. Well, we do. Yeah, we do. We do. Never mind. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched Solo, um, but you're right, we do. Um, but I remember like reading like the Padme novel and it seemed like that was going to be a big piece of what one of Padme's handmaidens was going to be handling or, or like her mission was going to be slavery on Tatooine and it never really panned out in the book. And I remember that being one of my personal disappointments with that book because I thought that was such like so cool that Padme like that had stuck with Padme to the point where she like sent one of her handmaidens there to you know find out more information on it even try and rescue slaves from Tatooine and it really didn't end up being a major focal point of that book yeah I agree and I think that it's it it, to me it was it has been unresolved as it relates to Anakin's story Mm -hmm. um and I guess I trip over this I think that in the galaxy, galaxy wide, in terms of Star Wars stories, you're right. I don't think that they've closed the loop. But for me, I think the most egregious offense has been not closing the loop on Anakin's story. And I think that's why I can sort of, when I think about Kessel, I'm like, oh, L3 was able to liberate Kessel. And that loop is somewhat closed, right? And I think that that to me is very good (laughs) and it's it's a really it's a high point for me in solo as everyone who listens to this podcast knows i love the whole droids rights conversation and everything Mm -hmm. um and i think that on almost like a microcosmic level i do like that kessel was able to be liberated um who knows if that stuck i'm not sure yeah. I, I I bet it didn't, <laughs> but but I which is like depressing. But given the fact that Solo takes place before, uh, like the original trilogy, and then later on with the sequel trilogy with the First Order, like I could just guess that the mining continues because spice production, uh, continues, and yep. uh, so I I can guess that it goes back. But I do like that in Solo it was resolved, and I like the fact that Ahsoka brings the sense of understanding even though she basically has just kind of chiseled away a little bit at Anakin's um uh 
uh, you know, trauma when it comes to his time as a slave uh, throughout the Clone Wars. I think that she only knows like a small sliver and perhaps the most when she found out was in the Zygerian arc. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that I, I when I watched this episode and when she talked about slavery and like this sort of injustice, I can imagine her thinking about Anakin. Oh, yeah. And we got to see one of the Zygerians, too. Yeah, that was so interesting as well. So surprising. And I, yeah. I love these little connections. This is why I felt like this episode was so classic Clone Wars to me, because it was really tying in so much and really had my brain working, like, at a thousand miles a minute in terms of seeding it all in all these different references in in a non-Easter egg way, but instead of in a story way Mm -hmm. that made me think a lot about the layers of okay so why is ahsoka specifically as a character here right now dealing with this and i think that that goes back to if this is ahsoka's walkabout she's still dealing with these thoughts of as we talked about in the last part of how does she deal with injustices but how does she deal with this like if if she thinks about anakin as a father brother whatever um how does she deal with the fact that her you know her the anakin um it's hard to like who is he at this point (laughs) to her he's still her Um, master (laughs) i know like it's like it's basically like her family right yeah has this uh this tie to something that like you mentioned has not ever really been patched up in the galaxy and so like how does she deal with that and how i i like that these questions are being presented well, and it makes you wonder too. You know, Ahsoka knows something about Padme. Maybe not the full story, but I think she, she knows, knows the full story. I, I think, think that we can guess that she knows the full story at this point. She knows Padme's pregnant. No, not <laughs> I'm that. Sure she, I'm sure. Just imagine that scene from the Bad Batch scene, like arc. <laughs> if Pat, if Ahsoka had seen Padme, she would know. She'd be like Anakin. <laughs> You're <laughs> so stupid. Like, what? He's like, uh. <laughs> They're yours, oh right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I could be like, what are you talking about? Like, she's pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> but I think from Forces of Destiny and like just the fact that it really does feel like every single person knows, including Obi-Wan, um, and just Ahsoka knowing Anakin, um, I think she knows. Yeah, I, I, I think she knows – the question is if she knows they're married because I think mm-hmm. that was kind of what they implied with Obi-Wan like in the – what is it called? The Clone Wars download um, that Obi-Wan obviously knew that Anakin had feelings for Padme and that she probably had them for him too. But Obi-Wan kind of would never believe that Anakin would go so far as to like Loki get married. <laughs> and yeah. – um, but kind of my point in that was saying, you know, if Ahsoka knows this, it makes you wonder how much she may or may not know about Shmi and Shmi's death and how that happened too and watching what happened and like I don't know like the easter eggs in this in this the references in this episode just seemed really fluid to me like it makes sense for the Zygerian to be there because they provide slaves to people Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that we would see one of those people there. It's not just a Zygerian slaver walking around in Coruscant um, because that would 
that doesn't make sense because they're going to be doing this on backwaters and on places where the Republic isn't going to go. And Rafa says so much. He's like, if they were really slaves, like you'd think the Republic, like the Republic would shut it down by now. And Ahsoka says, yeah, you, you'd think they would. And that's the same attitude that Padme had too when they went yeah. to tattooing. Yeah, exactly. And but I think Ahsoka knows too that it's like it's not for lack of trying, and even for lack of seeing these things going on all the time. But how like they can't mm-hmm. because they're like they're fighting this this war that doesn't matter. <sighs> they so just don't know it. Yeah, I'm sad. Always sad. Always sad. <laughs> Let's talk about a happy thing, though, that happened in this episode, which was there was more food. Oh, my God. I know. It's <laughs> so funny considering we just did our Star Wars food episode and they had the pear. They had the turkey leg. <laughs> they had some weird kind of soup situation going on. <laughs> They're reusing those models of the turkey leg and the pear. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they really are. It's great to see. <laughs> I like the feast, though. I thought that was a, a fun part. Um it reminded me of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom a little yeah. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It totally did. It, I, also brains. Got, <laughs> I also got kind of um, <laughs> almost like Satine vibes, like when in her banquets and stuff. Um, I don't know. I like seeing people in uh, Clone Wars eat food. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> okay, can we talk a little bit about the reference to Skywalker Academy too? Yeah, um, I thought this was an interesting thing because I love Ahsoka saying Skywalker Academy, but I also think that it uncovered a couple of different questions. First off, this idea of academies I've always found intriguing in Star Wars. You know, Luke referenced it in A New Hope about you know go to the going to the academy and everything like that. It's something that we see in Lost Stars and. I think that the expanded material has expanded upon um <laughs> and i i think i think it's a trace who says like oh you, all those academies i never got to go or something like that mm-hmm. um and i it was interesting i think this idea of so many different academies where in my brain it was the one. really just one yeah yeah but of course it makes sense that there would be many um and Ahsoka kind of name dropping this like one specific one that no one had heard of. Also interesting. You know, it's it's just fascinating because my understanding of the Clone Wars is that Obi-Wan and Anakin and I suppose Ahsoka were war heroes. Um, and the Holonet news would broadcast them as war heroes often. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, the whole idea of the hero with no fear, that was Anakin's moniker. Um, And perhaps this is now all legends, but I don't think it necessarily is, given the fact that there's... uh, We need to get that propaganda about Caitlin. We need it. We do. We do. Um, I don't know why we don't have it yet. I I know. And because we talk about this kind of stuff a lot, and so many of our listeners are like, you guys need to get the propaganda book. (laughs) And we're like, okay. (laughs) Anyway, I just feel like it's interesting that Ahsoka can kind of drop the name Skywalker and the first thought of Trace and Rafa isn't Anakin, given the fact that at this point in time, especially at this point right now, he is Mr. Clone Wars, you know? Mr. Clone Wars. You know what I mean? He's like, he's supposed to be everywhere, especially in the in the freaking Revenge of the Sith novelization. It talks about how he is everywhere, you know? 
Yeah, I just I find it all really fascinating that <laughs> we talk about this, like you said, all the time. The transmission of knowledge in the galaxy is I don't think like it as as a historian, I'm like, how are we getting this info places? And I I don't necessarily think that Star Wars spends that much time thinking about it itself um, because I feel like there are just a lot of inconsistencies <laughs> in these things like we're talking about, like with the hero of, with no fear. But at the same time, I do think Star Wars thinks about this a lot. And I think that it's pointed that even on Coruscant in the lower levels, people don't know who Anakin is because they're not really down there and they don't go up there. And Chase and Rafa kind of emphasize that, that this is their first time leaving planet and so I don't know, maybe maybe it's like they don't get service down there either. Like there aren't there isn't the hollow news net that far down or something like that. And or like like news access to news is a privilege and it's not one that they have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I don't know, I think it's really interesting and then it gets me thinking about, you know, Ray taking the name Skywalker at the end too, of like is it well known? <laughs> Bummer. Would I, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I don't know. I think it is because you have the kids at the end of the Last Jedi being like you know Luke Skywalker, right? Um, yeah. All these things, but and I think it is. It's just I think you're right in saying that just the access to news and stories is a privilege, even though we are supposed to believe in Star Wars that these stories and names have meaning beyond just, you know, the person. Yeah, it's it's confusing, I think, honestly. But it it I liked Maybe it. Maybe it's supposed to be confusing though. <laughs> I think yeah, I think it is too at the same time. I think on one hand it's cute that she's a Skywalker Academy. And then on the other it's like, wait a second, you don't know Anakin Skywalker? <laughs> Maybe it was a little test for herself. Yeah, I think Anakin Skywalker would say the same thing. <laughs> You'd be like, wait, you don't know Anakin Skywalker? You don't know me? <laughs> you don't know me? And then he'd pose. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we launch into the next thing is uh, when the Pikes are referring to the king, who do we think the king is? The Pike King? I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's the Pike King. I think it's Maul. Cause at this point, Maul rules over that. Does he? It's, it's confusing. I have no I idea where I have no idea where Maul is in this timeline. <laughs> we need Katie. <laughs> um, I because in solo it's Crimson Dawn. And now it's the Pike crime syndicate like the pikes are their own thing so maybe maul is building up his own crimson like crimson dawn to then take over the pikes it's hard because then or also they become the pikes is, but then also his whole being in cahoots with death watch yeah exactly so it I'm, i thought that 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 name drop of the king was sly because i think that they would have named who that king was <laughs> um if they had the chance but oh, it's they funny didn't. i just thought that it was because the king like can't publicly be with like involved in a transaction like this and that was why he wasn't there and, and i think, think that that's it, true that's that's right 
I used to think it was I was I didn't think like who is the king. I in the same thought, like, way in Solo, how Dryden cannot be involved in this sort of transmission because he can't be involved because of the syndicates. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very confusing. You know, every time I go down one of these holes of understanding <laughs> the Pikes, the crime syndicates, the Mandalorians, the clans, all these things, I'm like, there's a whole other Star Wars saga in these stories that I think they're building up to, to be honest. But like, there is so much there that is first off boggles the mind but i can spend like three hours and i did in a (laughs) wikipedia hole where i'm like suddenly you know the library transforms around me like books are are flying everywhere and i feel like i am absorbing uh, all of the knowledge (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's hogwarts in case you didn't pick up on it and i'm reading everything there is to know about the mandalorians and for those like 20 minutes after i read everything i'm like untouchable suddenly (laughs) completely knowledgeable about everything that has to do with the mandalorians and then 20 minutes later i forget it all that's what what i was gonna say i feel like the man like the mandalorians the crime syndicates like that this whole side of star wars right that is not our side of star wars but like it can be because sometimes it is the skywalkers are over and done with and we need to like move on (laughs) but like i'm telling you sometimes i like i really get into these modes where i'm like oh man all of this i remember all of and then and then it just it it takes a a mood for me it to just, get to be well in. that's the thing it's like i feel like i know the skywalkers so freaking well and that their history is just my history but i can't like i can't just keep the mandalorian history for some like you said it's like it's with me sometimes and then like the wind it goes <laughs> i think with more seasons of the mandalorian it'll be way easier for us yeah, but I think right also now once we redo our rebels rewatch as well agreed that will uh like squish it in a little bit more into our heads yeah i mean i this is a total detour that we've taken from the clone wars but i rewatch a lot of those episodes a lot you, i mean you guys know i love this kind of stuff i just it's interesting to me how i have kind of like short-term memory when it comes to <laughs> remembering things like this is when i'm in it i'm like man this is it <laughs> i know everything about this like clans and houses and all these things and i'm like again swirling knowledge tornado and then <laughs> And then I forgot. <laughs> and then that moment passes. And then an- another question arises and the same, the, you know, the cycle repeats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Good, good detour. Good detour. Yeah, good detour. <laughs> All right. So next we're going to talk about Trace and Rafa's parents, which I was really surprised that we took this turn with the story about their parents because in the first episode, I think it was the first episode when Trace said, I think she uses the phrase, like this hanger was left to me after our parents split. And I was like, oh, they abandoned them. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of surprised that we went in this – and I'm, I may have misremembered that quote too, so just keep that in mind. But that being said, that's kind of what I was thinking had happened to their parents. So I was kind of surprised that we went with this, like, quote-unquote, the Jedi killed my parents um, route. Because honestly, I kind of found myself wondering if we needed this kind of connection to the Jedi from Chase and Rafa to like hone in on the whole you know point that 
I think this series of episodes is trying to get at with Ahsoka and the Jedi and Trace and Rafa and, and all of their relationships to each other. I don't know if I needed there to be this kind of direct connection for why Trace and Rafa have this dislike of the Jedi. I kind of already bought it without there being this super emotional connection to it too with their parents. But I it was quite chilling hearing them talk about like either Luminar or Barris, I think we're assuming. Yeah, I agree. I think that this this conversation references the episode Hostage Crisis with Zero and Cad Bane, and I haven't gone back and watched it after this uh, revelation, um, but I do remember that part. And I think you referred to this earlier about how in that episode, there's sort of that choice of two people dead versus 200 and the two people just happen to be Trace and Rafa's parents and that's devastating but those kind of tough choices are choices that Jedi have to make all the time in war and it's it's devastating when you meet the like the microcosmic uh the people who are part of those you know those those decisions but um I, I I think that you're right that like we didn't need it but I think some people might have needed it Maybe, um, yeah. And I think that sometimes it's easy for me to forget, but sometimes those like over the top connections are needed in a show that whose primary audience is for children. And the idea that you have to really fully understand that um, the Jedi were at fault in terms of Trace and Rafa's own uh, position in the world right now. Like that's now you have a clear line of understanding that when before you could just blame it on the war and that war could be blamed on the Jedi. It could be blamed on the Senate. It could be blamed on the separatists. It could be blamed on all these different people, but here you have a clear line and Mm -hmm. for you could start the whole, this arc with, like I said, this understanding that their place was based off of the war and everything that that entails. But by even narrowing the scope now, I think you get a clear understanding of um, how Ahsoka has to deal with herself and how she can sort of absorb that pain a little bit um, when she looks at her new friends um, and how what does that mean for her own personal journey. And it's weird to say that because I don't think that like Ahsoka should be thinking about herself in this moment. But, uh, you know, like I don't think that she should be taking someone else's pain and like making it about herself. But I think that that's what the story is doing, um, if that makes sense. I think that I have a clear understanding then of this arc in general in terms of Ahsoka having to like the force like I I do believe that like the force there's an element of fate that Ahsoka was meant to meet these two uh, that was really drawn in the beginning of this arc when she you know dropped down onto the hangar there was a little bit of that uh, on the nose discussion between her and Trace about the, the the fate aspect and I think that only each episode really does reveal to me that there's now more of a direct connection for Ahsoka to move on and think about how she thinks about herself and identifies as her as it is a Jedi or not Jedi or ex-Jedi, what does that all mean for her? Yeah, I think, you know, the fate aspect of it is a really interesting part of the whole conversation that you brought up, you know, Ahsoka dropping onto Trace's hangar. They, of course, do talk about that. But even just the fact that this is Barris and Luminara who 
they're they're referencing in this whole story. And if we can uh, think about it as Barris for a second, the fact that Barris was the one who had this like very memorable, tragic conversation with Trace and Rafa. And that like the way that Rafa relates the story, it's like, oh my God, I can a hundred percent see Luminara or Barris saying that. It makes you think back to landing on Point Rain when Luminara is talking to Anakin about like if it's time to let them go, like it's time to let them go. And Anakin is like, uh, no. Um and it just like her demeanor is so detached. Like Mm-hmm. The like it it translates so well how Rafa relays the story, and I think thinking about it as Barris and this idea of fate is really interesting because of course Barris is the one who set Ahsoka up, and the fact that like Barris could potentially be the one who like set this trajectory like or kind of close the loop as it were with Trace and Rafa and their opinion on the Jedi and then Barris is also the one that sent Ahsoka's life into a tailspin that eventually led Ahsoka to Trace and Rafa it's it's a weird kind of full circle situation interesting that's very interesting I I like the idea of thinking about her as uh Barris and I hope mm-hmm. it is Barris because that that thread like you say uh is particularly tight yeah yeah it is I think the last thing in this section that we want to talk about well I'll also just say I think it's really interesting seeing Ahsoka use more of her powers in these past two episodes particularly in dangerous what dangerous debt is that what it's called yeah, dangerous. I yeah, I don't know why that name just left me for a second, but <laughs> it makes me wonder, especially given now Trace and Rafa's story and connection to the Jedi, if Ahsoka will get to tell them herself, or if it will be told to them by someone else, potentially by the Mandalorians, and what that will kind of mean for their relationship. Right, and I think that that's an interesting question. What happens when the truth comes out? Because I do think the truth is going to come out. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that you're right in saying if if I can say that I think that the next part of this series will be Bo-Katan and I guess Ursa Wren um, and whoever that third Mandalorian is helping them get out of jail. I don't think that they would um, have shown that in this episode if it wasn't going to come up later in terms of helping them. It would be interesting if Bo-Katan greets Ahsoka as like the Jedi, you know, oh. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that Trace or Rafa would necessarily be super surprised. I think they'd they'd do some like mental gymnastics in their head and be like, "Oh, right, <laughs> that oh, makes I sense." They'd, I think they'd be so. I think they'll be so surprised. I mean, I think they'll be surprised, but I think they'll be like, "Oh, wow!" Like everything that we just we saw, like yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I I think it'll take them a while to get there. Yeah, I think you're right though. I can totally see the Mandalorians being like, "Tell us, like, what do you?" What's a, how did a Jedi find herself down here? Like, where's your master? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I can't wait. Me too. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I Jason hope that are like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> either, either way, I don't really see Ahsoka being forthcoming with it. Yeah. And if she is, though, I do think that I would be surprised for her character. That would say something in terms of level of trust with them. And if they if she does say to them, like, oh, my past is shady to whatever, something like that, I think that that could have its own avenue in story as well, obviously, of um, them each opening up to each other and 
maybe that would be needed and because I think that Ahsoka needs to kind of mend some bridges with particularly Rafa who I think is not super sold on Ahsoka still like they were really willing to let her go when she didn't like that when she the bridge thing so funny it was hilarious <laughs> it was so Rafa's like oh my god she didn't make it that's terrible <laughs> all right let's Time go, go. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and Ahsoka's like I'm here and she's like whoa <laughs> and I think that probably by the end of it rafa because they'd be screwed without her mm-hmm. truly yeah um i think that rafa will be understanding in terms of like they would be screwed without her but i i do think that maybe that would be an interesting moment if it doesn't if it's not revealed for her if ahsoka does reveal herself to them yeah. Well, I think it's it's interesting because, you know, we talk about the Jedi kind of taking away Trace and Rafa's parents. And, you know, the Jedi took Ahsoka away from her parents, too. And then they ended up, like, doing wrong by her in mm. kind of the biggest way. And so I wonder if Ahsoka would come to that – would make that connection or, or come to feel that way about the Jedi because, because of what yeah. they did, both – taking her as a child and then betraying her in her biggest moment of need, now she has no one to go back to. Like, is that information even kind of available for ex-Jedi? This is why we need more information on the last 20. But like, well, I she- think you're opening up a can of worms that Star Wars itself doesn't necessarily want to, and I'm not trying to be negative here, but I don't think that they want to fully uncover. Like, I think that, while we have people like Chris Terrio saying the original sin is separating the twins, I believe the original sin is taking a child away from their mother. And that repercussion is through all of these characters, right? It's what the Jedi do. They take children away from their families. Sometimes yeah. it's for good. Sometimes those families are willingly giving them up and everything, right? I understand that. Yeah, but, but- you think about – sorry to jump interrupt, but you think about Holocron Heist – and when Cad Bane pretends to be a Jedi and goes to get that uh, youngling um, and the mom is distraught, she's like, no, I thought we'd have more time. And Cad Bane is like, no, 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 no. It's got to be now. It's got to be now. Like there's there's a – he basically like says that there's a bounty hunter out for all the four sensitive children. And so they've got to take him now. And the mom is like so devastated about it. Now, I'm sure there are other places and like – the galaxy is wide and so to like in some cultures maybe it's like a really high honor that a child is chosen to go to the jedi temple um but like we saw in that example like you're saying it's not and i think you're right it's interesting that like that like i i'm i obviously think the same as you do that that's the original sin um and like anakin's fall is can go back to that um, and the emotional impact that had on him. It makes me wonder if in the High Republic era, if we'll see kind of a different relationship between how children are brought into the Jedi Temple, if they don't know their families, or if it is almost like almost like boarding school where mm. they know their families, but they like they just don't live with them anymore. Like they're in this like training situation. That would be interesting if there is a difference there. Yeah, I agree. But what I'm saying, though, in terms of if if you think that, you know, Ahsoka and Trace and Rafa would find that commonality, I I don't even – I'm not sure that commonality even exists with Ahsoka because I think Ahsoka was so – felt so happy to go with Plo Koon, you know, 
um, when she was taken to the Jedi Temple. It's that a literally adorable <laughs> animation of tiny Ahsoka. It's like the cutest thing ever. But I I think that there's definitely the story about Jedi taking children away from their parents that is throughout all three trilogies. And I think that it's it's something that has not been closed in the same way that I don't think the slavery situation has been. Yeah. Um, both of these obviously relate to Anakin's story. And I think that it's, if they find that commonality, I will be very impressed. <laughs> yeah. But I don't really yeah. think they will. I don't, I don't think they will either, but it is because the thing is, it's like that moment with Plo Koon, it is adorable, but Ahsoka doesn't know what's happening in that right. moment. Not completely. I'm sure she has, maybe she has higher awareness because of her force sensitivity, even at that age, but she doesn't, I'd be very surprised if they would expect us as an audience to believe, you know, like if this conversation ever did come up, that Ahsoka was aware at that age that she would never see her family again. And the thing about that memory, too, for as cute as it is, is that we don't see Ahsoka's parents Mm -hmm. or her family community, whoever was like watching over her as a child. We don't see their reaction to her leaving. Yep. So it's interesting. But yeah, you're right. I'd be very surprised if we got into that. But wow, I hope so. (laughs) It would be so good. And I do think that these are stories that I think that these are things that people like Dave Filoni are aware of. And it's just a matter of how does one tell it incorporate that? Yeah. How does one tell it? How does one incorporate it into the wider saga? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that these things I'm hopeful that someday they're they'll they'll be told and the loop will be closed, but I'm still waiting. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, even when Ahsoka leaves and Anakin is like, the Jedi is all you know. Like, where are you going to go? Like, you don't have anywhere to go to. Where are you going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because she doesn't. She doesn't. And, you know, you look at people like Anakin and even Dooku. Dooku had a place to go back to. He knew it. He wasn't supposed to. But he knew it. And Anakin did, too. And But he wasn't supposed to either. And both of those moments had huge implications for both of those characters but Ahsoka really is completely in the dark and again like would that information even be accessible to her to find out where she could go back to I don't think so yeah I don't either okay let's talk about character the Jedi Order is your life you can't just throw it away like this Ahsoka you are making a mistake maybe But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council. And without you. All right, welcome to part three, where we're going to be talking about character. And I feel like we've actually talked a lot about these characters so far in this episode, but there's still more. (laughs) (laughs) But first, I kind of want to talk about Ahsoka's mindset for these episodes. And, you know, I think that... I think if there's anything in these episodes that I wish we were seeing more of was almost like internal dialogue for Ahsoka. And I don't really know how that would translate into like an animated series like this. But I'm – and I know that – like I don't know what Ahsoka wants. And I think that like this episode – like these episodes are – are part of her understanding more of how the world actually works. 
which I think is important, but I don't know if I think it's done the best job or has done it yet of her being like, I understand more of how the world works. This is how I want to operate within it now, which I think you were kind of touching on earlier in this episode of, you know, how do we get to the person in Rebels who like seems pretty confident in what she wants to do and confident in saying that she's not a Jedi any longer too. And I just, I want to see more of Ahsoka talking about or thinking about what her next step is because right now she's like, she's going along with the Martez sisters because, you know, as she says, where I come from, I've been brought up to help people and that's what I'm doing. But like, that's not, that's not all she's going to do. And what does she want now out of life? I don't know. I think, I think that's still something I, I need and want to see more of from these from these last episodes of Clone Wars. Yeah, I think that in your question of what does Ahsoka want, it's interesting because I was like, does Ahsoka want a friend? And I think that in a way she does because she has never been a lone wolf, you know, um, like at all. She's always had a, a group of people with her, a master, you know, a, a group underneath her, a clone battalion, anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do, part of me does think that she deserves friendship. Um, and that idea of compassion needs to exist for her because I think that she needs that softness in her life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if the show is necessarily showing me that or if that's just my head canon. Yeah. Um, I also think that, you're right. I do think I, I kind of wish we got a little bit, maybe a voiceover of um, like a it's the sort of walkabout mentality that I think that we were all kind of expecting with this. And of course, I don't think this arc is this arc isn't over yet. And yeah. as I think that we're about to see, especially as Ahsoka, like the end of the Siege of Mandalore, I think we're getting really, really close and uh, Ahsoka is a big part of that and Ahsoka's uh, uh, un- like reconciliation with Anakin is also a part of that where I think that both of them have a lot of big questions that they need to answer with each other right um, and I think that that is really where we're going to see those questions that I posed in the beginning of this episode of how do we get to the I am no Jedi um, Ahsoka I think that we'll see more and more glimpses of those. I think right now Ahsoka's what does Ahsoka want? I think she's really just figuring out how to be Ahsoka Tano, not Jedi Padawan. And how does she live with the fact that her past, just like the fortune cookie says, um, will always be a part of her, but how does she reinvent herself? Um, And I think that there is a certain level of denial that kind of goes on there um, that perhaps shouldn't be. Uh, around. I don't think anyone really should be denying who they are. Um, that's kind of a big lesson in Star Wars, right? I mean, to quote the Rise of Skywalker, like, don't never be afraid of who you are. I think that's exactly what Ahsoka shouldn't be, right? Um, but I think that it's it's just we'll get there. <laughs> is all I'm yeah. saying is I think yeah. that we'll we'll understand what Ahsoka wants, what Ahsoka, her mindset. I think that she's still figuring things out. I think she's rough around the edges. Like, 
I really do think that in some conversations you can look back on her her facial expressions and she's just annoyed all the time. She is. <laughs> like and I think they're... that she's she's so she's held back a little bit in that kind of that yeah. that kind of mentality. And it's like I don't want Ahsoka to be held back. And how does she get to the point where she's not held back? You know, and I think that's when hopefully the truth is kind of set set free about Ahsoka's own past and how you know, Ahsoka is in, in a in a way like a war hero, right? She mm-hmm. is um, Anakin's like right hand girl, like all all these things. She was there for all these crazy battles, and once that is out in the open, things will change, and it'll be interesting to see that before and after. And it makes me think about you know that first clip that we saw when Clone Wars was returned. Um, when the Clone Wars was coming back and they announced that at San Diego Comic-Con and she turns around and she's with Bo-Katan and she's wearing like this headdress and Anakin's like so shocked to see her, you know, through the hologram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how does she get to the point where what we've seen in Deal No Deal and Dangerous Debt to wearing a headdress with Bo-Katan <laughs> in a hologram confidently uh, excited to see, excited, I think, to see Anakin again over the hologram. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> and but, I think that I, we're, we're getting close to that. Yeah, I, yeah, next week. <laughs> I think that it's interesting, uh, this whole conversation about, like, the Jedi reveal, because it, it goes into one of our favorite Star Wars themes of concealment <laughs> and how Ahsoka is totally concealing what she, who she is right now, which goes right back to our fortune cookie. And I think... You know, we see her almost get to the point, I feel like, where she wants to say it in this episode when they're in the prison cell and, you know, Rafa is making fun of her of like, oh, you know, Miss High Values, she's acting like a regular Jedi over here. And you're right, Ahsoka is like so annoyed. <laughs> she's like, yeah, well, what if I am? And they're like, okay, no. <laughs> but – and then even, even when they're like escaping the – like the prison cell and and Trace is like, we got to go this way. And Rafa's is like, no, we got to go this way. And Ahsoka just goes, tiebreaker. <laughs> she's like, we're going this way. <laughs> and she's just, she's so over it. But yeah, I think you're right. Like the whole, how are we going to get to that point is really fascinating. What, like where are Trace and Rafa when Ahsoka is there? Have they said their goodbyes? Is that a relationship that continues? Like, is well, it- that's that's a good question because the last line of Dangerous Debt is, "We live and learn." Rafa is what Ahsoka says, and Trace goes, "Yeah, but how for how much longer?" You don't. And I you was don't like, "Think they're gonna oh. kill Trace and Rafa? Do you?" I mean, I, Caitlin, I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not gonna. No, I, I hope be, not. But I, I was like, "That's that. an ominous end." Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think. I kind of what I hope is that they is that it all comes out right ahsoka is an ex-jedi they have their like emotional moment of like why you lied to me they're angry they're pushing her away and then they all come back together you know yada 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 and then at the end of it so like they realize that ahsoka has to go with bo katan and trace and rafa are both like when you're done like you'll you'll always have a place to come back to with us is kind of what i hope happens because I don't – I mean, I guess they could go along with Ahsoka on that trip. I can't envision that Bo-Katan would want them to. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but or, or maybe, like, they give her the Silver Angel or something like that. But I think that, like, full circle for, I think, their relationship would be particularly Rafa 
basically saying that Ahsoka has a place with them, that Ahsoka is a part of their family, and that that is available for her when she needs it again. I think I would agree. be good for both of their characters because Ahsoka is coming out of a place where she thought she belonged and then realized that she didn't any longer. And like you said, Ahsoka is, isn't alone, but I think she's going to spend, I don't know. I think, I think the Ahsoka novel and kind of what we can glean from her life in rebels, she does end up spending a lot of her life alone. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be nice to know that she had this group the, these two sisters who were kind of in her court, even though she wasn't always with them necessarily. Yeah, I agree. I I, I envision that ending as well. Um, just interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about Ahsoka and Anakin connecting in the hyperlane. We haven't talked about that enough. It's so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it, <laughs> again, was surprised to see it. Um, and so many people have pointed this out. We're like two weeks late on this, but it's very similar to Vader and Luke um, connecting over for the force. And in that moment, Vader also lets Luke go. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's it, there's something interesting happening here about the fact that we spent, I don't know, two to three minutes, which is not a non-significant amount of time in a Clone Wars episode that's generally around 22 minutes um, in in this space of Anakin kind of deciding whether or not to let them go. Um, it's easy to draw the line that it's fascinating that Ahsoka lets, uh, that Anakin lets her go when I don't think that that's something that Anakin is ever willing to do with basically anyone, right? Yeah. Um, And I think that I just wanted to bring this up because I think you really did have an excellent theory in the beginning of the series about how Anakin is, it could be like inching closer to this idea of leaving the Jedi Order in the same way that Ahsoka did because of that conversation that they had at the end of Ahsoka Leaves. And then all hell breaks loose and Revenge of the Sith happens and everything doesn't happen. And I think that the idea of the show playing up the tragedy they're continuing to play up the tragedy and i think that it's fascinating because you have this 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 moment of anakin letting ahsoka go and it's a good thing it's great that he did that you know that he was able to to not be selfish in this moment to be like oh no let's bring them in i want to see ahsoka again you know i miss her Mm-hmm. And instead, you have this recognition between them, and he's able to let go. And it's 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 really like Anakin is getting really close to being good. He's like perfect Jedi, and I I really do think that they're going to play up him being almost like that A plus Jedi, and then we watch him watch it all crumble in Revenge of the Sith because that would make the tragedy hurt even more. Well, yeah, and when, and when you're in when you're in such like an emotionally vulnerable place i think and him kind of really feeling the loss of ahsoka feeling like he failed perhaps and that i think he probably is doing what a lot of people do when they're in hard situations which is you know you bury yourself in your work and you make sure you're doing everything so that you don't have downtime to really think about what's happened and, the, you know, the fact that Ahsoka is gone, he's not with Padme right now, doesn't know he's about to be a father, <laughs> like, 
all these things, he's probably really focusing on the war because if that is over, then then maybe he can be with Padme. Maybe maybe he can like bring Ahsoka back. Like they won't need to be doing these things. Like they won't be entangled with the Republic anymore. And like they let her back, right? <laughs> it just it does make it really sad. It I know obviously we have the Vader and Luke connection, but it also of course made me think about their connection in Rebels when Ahsoka and Vader have that connection and Ahsoka realizes that Vader is Anakin. And it's such a chilling moment, you know, like the apprentice lives and then she like freaks out and passes out <laughs> and how that it, it just makes me think about you. I think you really get this perspective of time in moments like this, too, considering that moment in Rebels between Vader and Ahsoka and now Anakin and Ahsoka, because we haven't really seen a moment like this from them, I don't think. Right. Um, previously, I think I think like in Landing on Point Rain, Anakin was like she's still alive, like I can feel it, she's still alive kind of situation. But I don't know if we've had anything quite like this moment for them outside of Rebels. And so the idea that after Order 66 happens that Ahsoka's never, like Ahsoka and Vader are never kind of in each other's periphery to even pick up on each other Mm -hmm. after that happens. And it's not until Rebels that they're in contact enough to like pick up on each other's force signatures I think is really interesting and and like I said it's kind of like now that I've been thinking about it kind of sad thinking about how Ahsoka does kind of spend a lot of her life alone I think after like after the events of Order 66 and um, leading into her role in Fulcrum so and clearly Vader does as well Anakin does Sad. sad. Yeah, sad. And sad. <laughs> See, I really do think that you're onto something, though, about, like, this idea of them playing up that, like, maybe they could have all been together. You know? Everyone could yeah. have been happy together. Yeah. And now they're all alone. <sighs> Shoot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I – yeah. I really – I really think that's a good theory. Like, I would love to see it. Uh, For me, it just it brings home that tragedy so much harder. Of like, he was this close to leaving because, and then he doesn't. Well, I keep thinking about what Sam Witwer said in that IO Nine article about how everything in the last four episodes is going to change the way we think about certain aspects of Star Wars. And I'm like, oh my god, what does that mean? I'm ready for my brain to be exploded, and I hope it's something like that. You the know, thing is, the thing is, I wonder. Okay, here's a question. I wonder if our brains are going to be exploded in these last four episodes the way they were in the last four episodes of Rebels, like with yes, Kanan in the fire and World Between Worlds. Because, like, honestly, it's so hard for me to imagine something rocking my world the way World Between Worlds did. <laughs> Dave <laughs> can do it though, Caitlin. I kn- Dave I is know the master. Can. I'm just like, <laughs> is that like? And I don't need the Siege of Mandalore to top World of Between Worlds. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on Star Wars, especially in light of recent events, that like <laughs> everything has to be better than the last thing that came out. But yeah, I mean, World Between Worlds was such like a – that's like a pivotal Star Wars experience for me. And I think about it frequently. <laughs> well, I, I think the things that I'm – if I can put aside my own disappointment with The Rise of Skywalker – Every single Star Wars piece has yielded a surprising moment to me that has Mm -hmm. made me think about something different. 
Yes. Um, including the Rise of Skywalker, of course. But I think that it's just like it's it's just interesting how and I, I, I love that feeling of walking away from a story, thinking about something new positively. And mm. I think that when you hear Sam Witwer say something like that, someone who's so close to Star Wars storytelling and like those deep moments, it excites me because I can see that happening. And I I know that feeling, you know, in the same way that you talk about Rebels, like that happened for me with every single Star Wars piece, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think that it just, I I feel like, what would change the way I think about the Clone Wars, the Revenge of the Sith, things like like understanding Anakin's decisions would change a lot for me or understanding yeah. Ahsoka's decisions, understanding, I don't know. I think that those switches could be flipped um, super easily, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It does just... Like, cool, what is coming? <laughs> but then it's also like, that's a lot of pressure. And I don't want to hype it up too much because I still want to be surprised. That's the, yeah, the big yeah, the fan exactly. mentality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to oversell something to yourself. Something. But I believe it. I believe Sam when he says that. That's the thing. <laughs> I we'll do see. too. That's, that's the weird thing because, correct me if I'm wrong, but Sam did, didn't love The Last Jedi, right? Uh, I don't think he did. I don't, yeah. that's what's so interesting is like, I still really like Sam Witwer, but it, and like, agree with so much of what he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would love to have him on this show. <laughs> Sam. But it, it is fascinating. I don't know. Just like the, the whole, I don't know. The, people like Sam, who I respect their Star Wars opinion so much, but then knowing that like they don't feel the same way as I do about, like very important Star Wars stories like The Last Jedi to us. I just think it's so interesting. And like now that we're in this new era of like, okay, episode nine is over and we're getting the end of the Clone Wars. Like how do their level of hype, like how much weight do I put on them now? (laughs) Now that I have like a a wider range of opinions from them. It's weird because I still like, I still really trust Sam. (laughs) Chris Terrio, not at all. Sam Witwer, I still trust a whole lot. (laughs) A whole lot. A whole lot. (laughs) Even knowing that, like, we probably don't have the same opinions about some Star Wars stories, which is fine because, again, you don't have to like every Star Wars story to be a Star Wars fan. Um, I just find – I don't know. Just, like, the whole – I don't know, the whole conversation about, like, is – is Sam excited about the same kinds of things that I would be excited about? And Sam is just almost like a place filler at this point for any person Anyone. involved in Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know. I think our worlds are going to be rocked. I think they are too. I think I'm going to cry. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. Think, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to be so hype. I'm not going to get any work done. <laughs> I think a lot is coming. Um but yeah, th- that is also going to be weird too because when World Between Worlds aired, we were watching it live and it came out at night. So like I literally had an entire bottle of wine. <laughs> I think that we have to watch – this is not relevant to anyone listening. But Caitlin, I think that we need to schedule when we're going to watch the next, I think, five episodes together so that they can be at the same time. That's talking to you because I get up earlier than you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this working from home thing, guys, it's hard. 
<laughs> yeah, so like 10 for 10, absolutely. Maybe we can make yeah. a, a, a mimosa situation. Um, yeah, but I just love that idea. Yeah, that's that's on you, friend. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Trace because okay. I was so surprised by Trace in these episodes. In the second episode in Deal No Deal, she came off as and, and continues to throughout Dangerous Debt, come off so much younger than I thought she was in the very first episode in Gone with with a Trace. Um, I thought she was closer to Ahsoka's age in Gone with a Trace, maybe like a year or two younger, but in these episodes, I read her as much younger than I had originally. Okay, so I agree with you, but if Trace and Rafa, in a way, could represent certain parts of Ahsoka's personality, I think that Trace displaying younger, um, like being like coded a little bit younger than uh, Ahsoka um, in these past two episodes and not the first one is interesting because I think in a lot of ways Ahsoka had been denied that ability to be young even from the audience like let's be real right any sort of time in the first two seasons that Ahsoka said the words like Artui I think that you know 75% of the people watching were like oh she's so annoying you know mm-hmm. I think that Ahsoka really truly was denied her youth and I think they are the same age like how old is Ahsoka like tell me how old Ahsoka is I don't know you know what I, I mean? I think Ahsoka's like 17. Didn't we have this conversation because Anakin's like 21 or something? Yeah, it's hilarious that Anakin's like 21. And here we have Ahsoka who's like 17. And I think Trace reads to me as a 16 or 17-year-old. See, you know? I was thinking like 14. I don't – I disagree with that. She's like she runs a shop. She's building stuff, you know? And I Just think because that- we were wholly incompetent when we were 14 years old does not mean that all 14-year-olds are. Yeah, I, I know. I just think that it's – personally, I think that Ahsoka, uh, Trace is – like, if if you could have Rafa being, like, the rougher edge of Ahsoka's personality and then Trace being that, like, more youthful side of – uh, wanting to see the stars and like wanting to explore and everything. And I think those are two certain, like definitely what they're trying to do here, you know, mm-hmm. um, then you can have, it's very clear to me that like one is youth and the other is uh, experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Dave has said so much. And I think in the very first Clone Wars download in this arc, he kind of said that, you know, Trace and Rafa are kind of these two different sides of how Ahsoka's life could have gone, potentially, like in, in one version of reality, she could have been in a very similar situation to them. And and yeah, like you said, like experience and youth and, you know, if Ahsoka, whether Trace is 14, 15 or 16, like Ahsoka's in between Trace and Rafa's ages mm-hmm. and Trace or Rafa does read a lot older. And so I think I think you're right, like... It just it always reminds me and, and like even thinking about the criticism towards the towards Trace and Rafa and particularly towards Trace, it's just it's like I'm just reminded that for so many people, like there's nothing worse than being a fourteen year old girl. Like 
I think the world just has it out for 14-year-old girls, right? That like they're shallow, they're stupid, they're immature, they don't know what they want, yada, yada, yada. They don't know how to name a ship. Yeah. Like anything that's bad in the world, anything that's bad online, it, it's, it all comes back to being a 14-year-old girl. And it's so disappointing <laughs> as someone who found a lot of important things in my life when I was 14 years old. And you're right that like just not having that youth from either like within the Jedi itself and even from the audience's perspective of Ahsoka and and now of Trace, I think, and and of Rafa Rafa too. But that people just people have so much judgment towards young girls and how they act. And they never it's never good enough. Mm-hmm. And that growing up is seen it's like people don't I don't know. I just I don't know. I having been in like those situations to have been judged by what I liked as a 14-year-old girl and to routinely be accused of being a girl online. <laughs> like I don't know. It's just it's it's really frustrating to continue to see those comments of like, well, she's just so annoying and it's like, well, she's 15 like however old she is you know like this is her first time flying a ship do you remember the first time you drove a car I mean (laughs) these things it's like these things are so natural and I just I think because I read the like these characters seem so real to me whether it's like from their sister relationship or just from where they are in life the way that the dialogue is written it's hard for me to like buy that kind of critique on them especially because a lot of people had similar critiques for Ahsoka in the beginning like you said but she like she grew past that because that was like her journey and Ashley tells that story a lot of how Dave told her that people were gonna hate her in the beginning I don't think anyone told Jake Lloyd that when he started the Phantom Menace because Mm -mm. no one would like no one would expect people and Jake Lloyd is a bad example but like no one prepares like 14 year old boys to be hated by the world (laughs) in the same way that a 14 year old girl receives it all the time for what she likes and what she does with her time or the way that she talks. And um, it would be very different. Like, and no one said that about like when we had (laughs) Nick's in this story originally. So that's kind of like a, a very weird sporadic soapbox, but um I like I said I mean I, you're right yeah yeah <laughs> I, I just I, I did feel that she read a lot younger but I liked how you described it Charlotte of like Ahsoka's in between like youth and experience and she has like this weird like her she had a weird upbringing <laughs> and I think in some ways she got some of that youthfulness in in the Clone Wars but it was conditioned out of her um, because she had to start making those hard choices, like the ones that Barris and Luminara made that impacted Trace and Rafa's life. If we can follow that line of thinking a little bit further about if Trace does represent youth and Rafa experience, and experience, I mean it more like, I don't know if Rafa necessarily has experience, but I think that she is trying to get experience and like she's older. Like smarts. Exactly. Um, but... I think that it's clear why Ahsoka would be more attracted to, you know, being friends with Trace, right? Because uh, I think that Ahsoka, in a way, during this walkabout arc, is trying to regain some of that youth. 
And how does she deal with this part of her that is so experienced? And that's why I think that she kind of bumps up against Rafa a lot, you know, because it's this, this, how does one accept the experience? I mean, that's the whole arc, right? Of, of Ahsoka trying to figure out how to come clean about her own experience. But instead she's trying to find comfort in this part of her that was conditioned away, this youth. And that's why I think that she does find comfort in her friendship with Trace, who she is closer to, right? And it's it's interesting when you think about it that way, about if there is going to be some sort of revolution, some truce between her and Rafa, will it come at the point where her own um her own past is exposed? I think it will. <laughs> I think it will too. Yeah. And I just think, and it will like hammer it home a little bit further of uh, having to find this bridge between these two, these two sisters, which I think are two parts of her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One moment that I really did love with Trace though is because I think, because she does kind of play younger in these last two episodes and Rafa is very much the older sister. And I think the seeing Trace make that very, um, rash decision uh on the silver angel where she dumps the spice and everyone is like whoa whoa (laughs) (laughs) you did what now (laughs) (laughs) that like just seeing trace kind of go through this tailspin i mean again when you're a young teenager like these you know as a teenager you're so often told that like this is not the end of the world (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and but you're still overreacting because it feels like it and like for trace the end of the world is losing her ship and she doesn't care about the spice she's not thinking about the ramifications of it for her the end of the world is losing her ship and granted you and i never had a ship or like a car when we are 14 or, or something equivalent like that but like having those things that are yours are so important and especially things that you like got on your own and like having control over and you know then there's rafa coming in with like the voice of reason of like it doesn't matter because if you're dead you can't use the ship (laughs) you're not thinking about this and again have also had conversations like that with my sister (laughs) but i loved how it is still clear that like trace is very capable on her own like when she gets taken by the pike guards and she pretends to faint and then is able to like escape from them. I loved seeing that difference and how that was something Trace was able to do and Rafa wasn't. Um, I I just I like the idea that like the youngest person in the room was able to figure out this other way out when Rafa, who like we've talked about, seems to have a lot more street smarts, likes to try and talk her way out of things. She wasn't able to do that herself. Mm. Yeah, that's true. It's a it's a good moment. I like it. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, can we talk about Bo-Katan and Ursa Ren being there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like dying to talk about this and I can't believe we're like how long into this? Like an hour 45 minutes into our recording session and it's only taken us this long to get here, but guys, I was talking about the the Mandalorian hole that I went into before. <laughs> It is because I think I'm a little convinced that Ursa Wren might be the armorer. Dun, dun, okay. dun. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that you and I both, and our friend Savannah as well, all thought that her voice was the armorer. Yeah, and I, I think, definitely did the first time I heard it. 
I honestly think everyone did. Like, who didn't, you know? Raise your hand. Um, yeah. <laughs> and to me, I've watched that scene a couple times now, and it feels like it would be a specific note on how one should deliver that line. And I just feel like if you want to follow that line of of thought to conclusion, I don't see why Ursa Wren can't be the armor. It's no, kind of I, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, follow <laughs> these steps with me. <laughs> well, it's like the helmet, the helmet's similar. Mm-hmm. We are getting close to potentially like what is up with the armor's helmet in the Mandalorian? We've all we've talked talked about this a lot about like the little like owl notes or mall notes that are on the top of that helmet, right? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? And could it come from the season Mandalore? And oh my god, <laughs> it's. So this much. reminds me of when we I think it was when we were talking about the Mandalore the Mandalorian and we got into this like horribly long confusing conversation about the timeline <laughs> with like so much the siege of Mandalore <laughs> and the what is it called the night of a thousand deaths or something like that like when all these things happen and I think we just talked in circles and got to no conclusion and we're completely wrong for like 30 minutes <laughs> Sounds about right. Trilla was sending me all this stuff about the armor and Ursa Red and everything like that. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I'm with you. I have no idea what any of it means. But yes, she could very well be the armor, I suppose. (laughs) Because you're right. She can be. She can be. She can be. There's nothing to me that is pointing to them not being the same person i think the armor's just uh actual identity has been purposely concealed to us it would make sense to me that dave would be doing this he's working on the mandalorian uh the first time we see um the armor is in chapter one dave filoni directed that episode dave filoni working so closely with john favreau on um the Mandalorian and then the Siege of Mandalore like we've said this before like it all makes sense to me it's a perfect brilliant plan of releasing <laughs> releasing the Mandal- uh, the Mandalorian the show and then having the Clone Wars this final season end in the Siege of Mandalore something that is referenced in the Mandalorian and it's oh. it's crazy but I think that you were supposed your ears were kind of supposed to be like wait what <laughs> I I love Ursa Ren. I was really excited to wait for the the credits and to see that I was surprised, but it really did make me do this double take of could they be the same person? <laughs> and I think they can be. I'm happy that it's Ursa. I'm we're like two two years out. I think of Sabine being born. So um, this is before Sabine exists, and I think that it's. <laughs> just saying so it's not alive yet not alive yet um i have we have no record of like what happened after the fall of the empire and return of the jedi to uh clan ren or anything like that and to me ursa's personality in rebels is so loyal is so for mandalore that it would make sense to me like that it kind of tracks with how the armor is in um in the mandalorian 
and even the armor's knowledge of the Jedi and the Force users. It's something that I think that Ursa would be aware of, especially right now if that's Ursa and she's looking at Ahsoka and she has this, you know, understanding of the Jedi and they have the conversation and whatever happens in the Siege of Mandalore. All these things, again, a tornado of knowledge like swirling around me. I feel like I, I don't know. They could be the same person. And how crazy if it was. And then I'm like, how old is the armor? How old would Ursa Ren be when she had Sabine versus like what, how old she is now? And then in the time of the Mandalorian, which is five years after Return of the Jedi, has Ezra been found yet? <laughs> is that where Sabine is? That's why she's not with Sabine. What about Tristan? Yeah. Yes. About yes. Mr. Ren. <laughs> yes. Because Sabine stays on Lothal until yes. Ahsoka comes to it's like it all makes sense you know when <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I think I just need to like write out the Mandalorian timeline you know yeah we need to pretend that Dave gave us everything that he gave Bryce Dallas <sighs> Howard and write our own <laughs> so jealous <laughs> regardless I think my everyone's brains were like oh my god the armor Oh, it's Ursa Ren. Oh, well, that's cool too. And then it's like, wait. And then Charlotte's over here like, wait a freaking second. <laughs> the same person. Let me galaxy brain this for you. <laughs> because. <laughs> it just makes sense, guys. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I think it'd be I think it'd be really exciting if it was the armor. It would completely rock my world again to have a really fun connection like that, where people who are just watching the Mandalorian, this is this comes out, especially in season two. If they talk about it, then like they'd get to watch that whole arc with Sabine and the dark saber in Rebels. It's just more of a reason to you know look to the animation department for the future of. Star Wars. So for that, I'm always looking for good reasons. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I think that that connection would be so fascinating. And the idea that like Ursa could know Ahsoka and then like in this timeline and then if she is in the Mandalorian timeline, you know, there of course have been in our hiatus, there have been rumors about Ahsoka in season two of the Mandalorian. Like, there's just a lot that could be going on, right? And there's so much. <laughs> there's so many possibilities for how all of this could unfold. Even if even if it's not the armorer, I just but what if it is? <laughs> but what if it is? The thing is, I don't need it. I think the armorer yeah. is a cool character on her own. She's amazing. Love her. Yeah. But it would be cool if there was this link. And I think that Star Wars right now. I'm not putting it past anyone to make these sort of links um, where I used to think that Star Wars was more interested in keeping the galaxy broad. I think that they're kind of more exploring this idea of relativity throughout everyone. And I would believe it. Yeah, I would too, I think. I would too. Maybe the thing is, the thing is, the question is then is will we know that's what i was just I about to say i don't think we'll know i don't think we'll know, I don't think we'll know either. Two of the mandalorian <laughs> if that's <I> true <laughs> maybe maybe we'll see some sort of like ursa putting on helmet or something like i don't know right? yeah, i mean that's a very that. 
it's a very unique look that the armor has with the skirt and everything. And that's not something that Ursa has worn. Um, so, but like, you know, fashion changes. You never know. <laughs> T- years go on. The style changes. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Pantone, pan- Pantone color of the year, but for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I just think that anything's possible, but I think you're, it's, you're right in asking that question because I'm like, yeah, I don't think we'll find that out until <laughs> season two or three of The Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> we asked the question now on April 5th, 2020, and we will not get the answer for a while. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was it. I'm excited to see what they what they do end up doing next week, regardless of if we find out if it is or is in the armor. <laughs> I think future. next week is going to be a great episode. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. Everything is going to come out, I think, about Ahsoka being a Jedi. Maybe we'll have another Anakin moment. We're going to get to see Bo-Katan. Good things are a-coming. And by good things, I mean sad things. I mean, we're going to (laughs) cry. I always forget how much I love Bo-Katan. So next week, guys, get ready. For for the Bo-Katan galaxy brain. (laughs) Bo-Katan content. (laughs) Bo-Katan. 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 Yeah, that just sounds like detente, like that, like World War II <laughs> policy. Oh, I was thinking date, like al dente, like okay. pasta. <laughs> it's a little different. The the World War II <laughs> reference <laughs> really kind of came out of nowhere. It's my brain. <laughs> Bo, I don't really know. Boca Bo can't. Boca can't. Boca, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my the, that great saying of it's not called trash cannot it's called a trash can <laughs> yeah oh boy um i will say i know we, we've talked about rafa quite a bit in this episode but i will say one of i think she has a lot of great lines like i said i've really been impressed with the dialogue in these episodes i think one of my favorites came from deal no deal when she told ahsoka we can't pay off our debt with your morality which ooh sick burn rafa (laughs) i thought i thought that was like on a serious note i think that was such a a really great line that kind of condensed all of the differences between ahsoka and rafa and where their uh confrontations and their disagreements really lie is that ahsoka is asking these really big things of rafa and trace when they're literally just trying to get by yeah, I think that that line is actually super, super good. And I'm glad that you put it in the notes because I think that like average citizens would be saying that to Jedi, not just Rafa to Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that the Jedi can pay off their war debt with their almost like sanctimonious morality. You know, yeah. I think that that line itself is transferable to the whole galaxy. Well, I hate to bring up Avengers. <laughs> Whoa, Jesus. Charlotte's over here with World War II, and I'm like, well, Captain America. <laughs> but I mean, this is like, like you said about how people, like society as a whole, would be saying that to the Jedi. That was one of the big plot lines in, I don't remember which one, but in the Avengers, right? Of like, they've destroyed whole towns and, and cities and like countries with their morality of, do, of saving the world, but they've also wrecked a lot of havoc on the world as well and society is like demanding retribution from them 
And it's interesting to think about if there would ever be, I don't think there will be just because of the course of events in Star Wars with things like Order 66. But when you said, you know, society would say that to the Jedi now, it made me think of that because I think I think you're right. I just don't think society ever gets that opportunity in yeah. Star Wars because of Palpatine. Yeah, you're you're totally right. Yeah. So that was Avengers for you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I don't really, I don't think I have anything else to say. I'm sure we're missing some parts because these were two really excellent episodes, mm-hmm. but I don't really think I have anything else to say. Yes, I, I don't think I do either. I think, like Charlotte said, I think these were really great episodes. I had a good time with them. I'm looking forward to the next week, the last episode of this four episode arc or this four episode chunk which means we're two-thirds of the way through the last season of clone wars but we're not going to dwell on that it's okay it's fine fine. we're gonna go cry now we're gonna we're gonna slide right past it (laughs) (laughs) just like we have tried to do so much so much (laughs) (laughs) scratch it off your bingo card (laughs) but um Yes, I think that is going to wrap up uh, this discussion of Deal No Deal and Dangerous Debt from the last season of Star Wars The Clone Wars. If you're interested in finding us online, we are most active on Twitter. Charlotte's Twitter is at Clarity. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher. You'll be seeing a lot of Animal Crossing content from us in the next couple of days. And uh, But if you want just Star Wars content, you can find the podcast handle, which is at SkytalkersPod on Twitter. We also have our website, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you haven't already left us a review on iTunes, we would love it so much if you did. It really helps other people find our show. It makes us really happy as well. And uh, it would mean a lot for us if you took a second to do that. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Absolutely. And I want to give a shout out to some of our amazing patrons. Bethany, Joey, Jason, Cherie, Suara, Neil, Martin, Brandon, Dahlia, Daniela, Amy, and Susanna. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods, the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.